I'm going to be reading uh, Proverbs 17, chapter 17, uh, verses 12 to 22. I encourage you to, if you've got a paper Bible, um, bring that one out now, or if you've got a device, um, yeah, get the passage up. Let's start reading. Better for a person to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his foolishness. If anyone returns evil for good, evil will never depart from his house. To start a conflict is to release a flood, stop the dispute before it breaks out. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the just, both are detestable to the Lord. Why does a fool have money in his hand with no intention of buying wisdom? A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a difficult time. One without sense enters an agreement and puts up security for his friend. One who loves to offend loves strife. One who builds a high threshold invites injury. One with a twisted mind will not succeed, and one with deceitful speech will fall into ruin. A man fathers a fool to his own sorrow, the father of a fool has no joy. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Today, my name's Isaac. I'm one of the assistant ministers, and I'm stoked to open up God's Word with you today. We're thinking about a pretty hot topic. Uh, we're thinking about the topic of friendship, and I'm really keen. There's heaps that Proverbs says to us about this topic, and friendship can just be so sweet when we get it right. It can fill our minds, fill our dreams, fill our news feeds, and yet when they break down, they're some of the worst and harshest realities of living in such a broken world. I think during some of the pandemic lockdowns, I definitely felt pretty isolated from my friends. There were times where I just felt like they were distant from me. I wonder if you felt that as well. And there was this song that kept going through my mind uh, through one of the lockdowns by a guy called Jeremy Zucker. It's called Come Through. Can you come through? These last few weeks have been exhausting, and I'm lost in my imagination. And there's one thing I need from you. Can you come through? It's what we all desire. We, we hate it when friends let us down, when we're left in ruins. We all want a close and a servant-hearted friend, and that's where we're heading to today. We all want a close and a servant-hearted friend. And my hope is that we'd cherish Jesus as that best friend who can truly offer that closeness and that service to us, just like my friend Mai Mai did. Uh, Mai Mai, he was one of the biggest, burliest guys in Vanuatu. Uh, I was there for a month helping them out, um, building a Bible college there, and he was this guy, he would carry 60 kilos of cement on his shoulders, running around the worksite in the, the heat of the tropics, 
And apparently he, him and a couple other guys uh, built the four-wheel drive track with a shovel. He was this kind of a strong fella. And yet when we first arrived, I remember a song that he sang, each one of us. We had this kind of group of Australian um, young people on a short-term mission. And he sang this song about Jesus and it has stuck with me ever since. He, he kind of went around the room and put his hand on the shoulder of everyone in the room. And these are the words he said. It should come up on the screen there. In this world I cannot find anyone so true and kind. Only Jesus is my best friend for me. Jesus is my best friend. Jesus is my best friend. Jesus is the best friend for me. It's simple, but it is absolute gold. And that's where we're heading today. Now, as we throw around this, uh, this concept, this idea of friendship, uh, we're not talking about how most people probably think of friendship. We want to have a biblical definition for it, right? And true friends, as the Bible describes it, they, they aren't in it for what they can get out of you. At its core, friendship is about service. But it's also more than that. True friendship is about intimacy, closeness as well. We all want that close, servant-hearted friend, not a friend who's distant from us or forgets about us. And I mean, so many Aussies view friendship as just two people doing life together with some common interests in mind, having fun together. Often it's a pretty self-centered concept. But biblical friendship, it's about those people who will stick by us and serve us, even when it doesn't benefit them. Now, some of us here, we might be feeling pretty tired and burnt out from disappointing friendships, from people who haven't stuck around. We might not be quite ready to pursue new friendships. Maybe a book or some Netflix is kind of what will, will uh, keep us going at this time of our lives. Uh, Plato, he speaks of this guy, Socrates, and his view of, of friendship, and he says that, I have a passion for friends. And look, that might not be some of us here. Some of us might not be that keen for friendship. But my hope is that we'd be spurred on for wise friendship and see how good it is for us from the book of Proverbs. And really, it's the only sane response to those who've experienced a friendship with Jesus. And Proverbs even challenges us here. If we're a bit tempted to go and exile ourselves and, you know, be like Tom Hanks in Castaway... Uh, Here's a proverb to challenge us there. It should come up. Proverbs 18. One who isolates... Oh, there we go. We don't have it there. That's all right. One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound judgment. So you can't be wise without friendship. Friendship is honorable and it should be treasured. And I think deep down we all want it. So what are the characteristics of a wise friend from Proverbs? Well, we're going to look at uh, three main characteristics, all starting with C, so hopefully you can remember them as well. A true friend is a compassionate friend. A servant friend shows thoughtful compassion. Proverbs 12, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. See, compassion is vital, and we want to be understood, we want to be heard, We're in this world full of all kinds of anxieties and things that can weigh us down. And God understands this. He knows that we need people who can come alongside us and get us. And when someone just doesn't quite read the room properly, well, it doesn't leave us encouraged, does it? 
Proverbs 25 talks about that kind of person who doesn't uh, read the room properly. It says, Singing songs to a troubled heart is like taking off clothing on a cold day or like pouring vinegar on soda. I wonder if you've been there before. Maybe you've, you've had a day where you're full of grief and sorrow. Maybe you're feeling a sense of loss and suddenly someone comes in and they haven't really noticed, they haven't noticed the tears down your face or that you're not really responding in a positive kind of way. And yet the friend just keeps going right ahead and, and maybe making all kinds of jokes and expecting that everything's sort of fine. And I remember a conversation a bit like that. I was chatting to a friend of mine and talking about how much pain I was in at the time. This was years ago in uni. Uh, and I found it fascinating. My friend responded and he said, Oh, I wonder, maybe the pain's just in your head. Uh, I learnt about it in, in class this week. He was a physio student. Uh, and he said, Oh, I think like, it can actually just be all in your mind. I wonder if that's going on for you. <laughs> and then, of course, a week later, I showed up and I was like, I've got a broken back. Thanks. <laughs> so we don't want to be that kind of friend. We want to read the room. We want to have compassion for someone else. Understand where they're at and come alongside them. Proverbs 17, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. See, if we take time to give joy to our friends, it can restore them. It can be like medicine to them that they need. A word of an encouragement or maybe a gift given at just the right time. Maybe it's just a a meme or something that you share with them, something funny during the week just to encourage them. Or calling them up just to say hi. We've got anxieties in this world and we need those sweet words of compassion to come alongside us. But how might we cultivate compassion? Well, I think we've seen that it starts with reading the room properly. It starts with observing how our friends are really going and asking them how they're going. And actually imagining what it would be like in their shoes But it's more than that as well. Not just in the moment, but it's about understanding our friends' values, understanding some of their past, understanding how they really want to be loved in this moment. If they've just had a baby, loving them and having compassion for them might be really different to someone who's just headed into retirement. For me, as a single guy, as I kind of moved to Toongabby, I remember um, a couple, some friends of mine, who gifted me a toaster. They realized that I was setting up this whole house kind of from scratch and they just took the time to think about what that would be like and they gave me a toaster and that was just such a wonderful way that showed that they had real compassion and true friendship there. Well, the second characteristic of the wise friend, they're candid, they're honest. A servant friend cuts to the chase even when it hurts. You see this in Proverbs 27, it should come up there. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. See, truth-telling is valued, and a real friend will tell us the truth. Someone close to us, like this, has the opportunity to speak into our lives unlike others can, and will actually hear them when they challenge us. In a similar way, Proverbs 27 verse 9 describes how sweet this advice is. It says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. See, at time, a friend will and, and should rebuke us and challenge us in love, 
In this, they prove themselves more, more of a faithful friend rather than a flattering friend. And Proverbs 21, it says something similar again. It says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. It talks about intentionality there in our friendships. A candid, thoughtful word designed to grow somebody, not to, to cut them down, but to grow them, to be more like Christ. See, none of us want to be a blunt tool. None of us want to be ineffective. If two people were left isolated, well, both blades become dull and then become useless, but together we become effective. And fellowship at church is like this. Fellowship, it's not just about food and fun, but it's about the Word of God dwelling richly amongst us as a community. And in Acts 2, you can read about a community that's like that. You can read how the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And this kind of fellowship, it requires accountability. It, it requires us to be vulnerable with people, be open with them, to share how we're really going to the point where they can see our problems and our mistakes and actually help us in that and help us fix some of that. Friendship like this is not just a one-way street either. We need each other and we need... We don't need people to over-function for somebody else, but to actually encourage each other. Friends serve us by presenting the truth to us. And in a, tri- a trivial kind of way, it's the person that lets you know there's something in, in your teeth when no one else might speak up. There's a bit of parsley there. But more than that, they're, they're willing to challenge you on the big stuff as well. The stuff that they know you may not agree with. So it requires boldness to be that kind of mate rather than saying whatever pleases your friend. It's willingly going and it might even feel like you're putting the friendship on the line in those moments, but the boldness to say what is true. Now our third characteristic of the wise friend, that they are close, close friendship See, a servant friend comes close and they don't leave either. And when I say friendship, I'm, when I say closeness, I'm thinking of uh, two types of closeness, uh, both intimacy and loyalty. So intimacy, you can see that in Proverbs 17. It says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a difficult time. Or Proverbs 18, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend who stays by you and loves you deeply. And particularly in the moment of trial or suffering, that's when you'll realize who that friend is. And I've definitely experienced that. And it's, it's helped me to realize my friends and to not come to ruin, as it says. I think of the, the difficulties of sickness or the, the uh, challenges that we've already described today about lockdowns and, and the, the anxieties of the last couple of years. Yet I thank God for those who, who came close and who stuck around. Uh, I don't know if you can remember, but do you remember how we had to get used to hanging out as a group online and figuring out what, how to do board games together and that kind of thing that we no, never would normally do? And maybe for a lot of us, we had to kind of start calling that friend that we just see around the corner. But that was something that grew a lot of our friendships as we realized those people who stuck by us, who were intimate with us, even with distance. Now, as I speak about this idea 
intimacy. I wonder if many of us, we kind of go straight to, to sex. It's sort of intimacy and sex seems to be uh, linked. That's how our culture kind of says it works. But the Bible says you can have heaps of sex and have no intimacy. And you can have a lot of intimacy without sex. You can, you can see that with Jesus and Paul. You can have a lot of intimacy without sex. So it must be different to that. And intimacy, it's the experience of knowing somebody properly and being known by them. It's about revelation. It's, it's not really about a spatial thing, but it's about relationship based on honesty and openness. See, that intimate friend is someone we feel close to, not, not distant from. Unlike a Facebook friend that we might have hundreds or thousands of those, an intimate friend is someone who knows your soul and they understand what's going on for you inside. And if something happens to damage that relationship, you, you'll start to feel distant from them. Now, one of the best examples of this intimate friendship uh, in the Bible, you might be familiar with uh, Jonathan and David in the Old Testament. Uh, you can see uh, Jonathan's loyalty to David, even above his, his own dad, even above Saul. And David, when, when he finds out that Jonathan has, has passed away, he sings this song, this dirge to him about his love. He pours out his love for his mate. And I find it really fascinating, as you look at some of the commentaries and the interpretations of those stories, how quickly we go to just assuming there must have been something more in that friendship. A lot of interpreters do that. And look, I get it. They, they speak of their friendship in an intense way. For many Aussies, it probably does strike us as a little bit different to how we would describe our friendships. It says they loved each other as much as they loved themselves. But our modern minds probably look to just simply box them into people you know, with dependency issues or that they're too close as friends. Or maybe we just denigrate their friendship and call it a bromance. That's something that we probably would do as Aussies. I think this kind of reaction to such a friendship like that through Jonathan and through um, David, it shows more about our culture and how we tend to see intimacy as this romantic thing. We often struggle to, to place it in this non-sexual friendship. So the way David spoke of Jonathan, well, it's actually similar to how Paul speaks of his friends as well in the New Testament. He calls Timothy and Titus his true children. And Onesimus, or Onesimus, I don't know how to call his name, he's not just described as his son, but as his very heart. Yet, intimacy and friendship it can look beautiful like this, but it does have boundaries as well. There's a threshold for intimacy, and, and we need to not go over it uh, into the, the realm of marriage. Uh, Vaughan Roberts, he helpfully fleshes this out in his book. It's called True Friendship. It should come up on the screen there. I'd love to recommend you to, to read this book. It's, it's tiny. It's 12 bucks online. That would be a great place to start to think more about this. He says, Friendship should not seek to copy marriage by either demanding exclusive commitment or containing sexual expression. We're free to develop deep friendships, which can be a great blessing as long as these boundaries are not crossed. So we see we can be intimate, but there are certain boundaries that God has spelled out in His Word. But how might we cultivate this kind of intimacy with our friends? I think it starts with humility it starts with that openness 
with one another, to share our struggles. See, if you want to be known, you can't just expect somebody to, to be able to read our minds. We need to reveal what we're struggling with, what we're enjoying in life. And you've got to build that trust by handling information that people give us with confidence. Handing that information and not just sharing it. You can see that in Proverbs 11. A gossip goes around revealing a secret. But a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. So if you want to be a close friend, we won't go spraying intimate details that people share with us to, to anyone. Of course, there are very good reasons why you might actually share information that's been shared to us. This isn't this catch-all instruction there. But we don't want that friend who just goes around telling every little detail we, we've told them, do we? So we've looked at this closeness in terms of intimacy. Well, Proverbs also says closeness in terms of loyalty. The way in which someone comes close and they don't leave us. And constancy in, in Proverbs, it's littered all throughout the book. Like in chapter 3, it says, Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Then you will find favour and high regard in the sight of God and man. See, if we're loyal to friends, we'll find high regard from people as well as God. A friend who serves us by coming close actually also recognises when to give some distance to a relationship. So we've heard we want to be intimate, we want to be close, but also Proverbs talks about a real danger that a friend might become overbearing in some situations. Some friends might have the kind of intimacy where you can see each other every day and that's great and that works. Whereas other friendships, that would be too much. That would be strained if you were to, to treat it like that. Now, Proverbs 25, it says, If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Otherwise, he'll get sick of you and hate you. Bit of a challenge there for some of us, maybe, who really want that friend to become a bestie. See, intimacy is great and we need it, yet we need to be wise in how much and with whom we share such closeness. And Proverbs warns us about choosing wisely. It says in 13, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. There are heaps of warnings about this in Proverbs, about choosing wisely who you associate with and who we seek counsel from. But when a wise friend is found, we're challenged to, today to seek loyalty, to be faithful to them and serve them in that way. And I think we all really crave this. You can see this in the, the show Friends, in the um, song at the start of Friends. It says, I'll be there for you. And I think we all crave that. We want that mate who sticks by us. And it captivates us, a phrase like that. We want someone who comes through and doesn't leave us hanging. And I don't know about you, but you've probably felt a bit overwhelmed by this wisdom to do with friendship and realized maybe that you're not such a great friend. That a lot of times you're actually a terrible friend. We regularly <laughs> drop the ball. We seek conflict and selfishness rather than service and love and closeness. 
one of the closest disciples of Jesus, Peter, he, he denies him three times to his face. He, den- he disowns his mate three times. And as we relate to others, we fall short all over again, just like he does. But thanks be to God that even though we are, we have been enemies of God, that he has come close and he has befriended us. So our last point for today is all about Christ's friendship with us. And that his friendship is more than a service. It is this intimate friendship. See, throughout the day we've been considering how a key part of friendship is this this idea of service, that it's not self-centred. Yet the last point we had about closeness and intimacy, and that's actually what differentiates a friend from a servant. See, a servant um, can have those other couple of characteristics that we talked about, but the intimacy, that closeness, is unique to a friend. And Jesus teaches us this in John chapter 15. He says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. See, though each of us have rebelled against God and we've lived as enemies of Him, out of His compassion, He gladly calls us friends. And we would have been lucky to be called servants, right? But He's come close. And it's this intimate relationship that He's made with us, not just holding us at a distance like a servant would be. Jesus, he shows this kind of friendship in the way he relates to his disciples. You know how he kind of goes around, he teaches them what is actually going on and he kind of lets them into some of the um, information that others don't get. And he shows this kind of friendship most clearly at the cross. But his compassion, his service of us, his friendship of us doesn't just stop there. Right now, he has this close friendship with us. It's this offer that he gives to us. And he is the supreme example of friendship. All those characteristics we look through, he comes through on every one of them. See, Jesus is more compassionate than we are. He cares more than any of us do. Throughout his ministry, you see how much compassion he has, that often that's the thing that drives him to heal somebody or to teach them. And he wept over Jerusalem. That's the passage that came to my mind as I thought of Jesus' compassion. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, she who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. That's the heart of our Lord Jesus, that compassion. And he deeply cares for us now in every little aspect of our lives He intercedes with our prayer. So even the smallest of prayers, He hears and He brings to the Father. Isn't that incredible? Jesus, He is more candid than we ever are. He is far more truthful. You can think about all the times that He's taught us something that initially we just really uh, can't accept. Maybe even a few weeks ago we talked about the idea of lust. Jesus, he teaches that if we look at someone lustfully, we've committed adultery in our hearts. See, Jesus, he doesn't hold back. He he holds to the truth. He's not a yes man and he doesn't hold back. And his advice, what he teaches us, is always on point, not like our mates who often get it wrong. 
And Jesus is more intimate and loyal than any of us are. He stays close by us, by our side, even closer than anyone we have experienced here on earth. He's with us even now by His Spirit. Unlike any other, God promises that we can have closeness with Him. In James, we're assured that if we draw near to God, He will draw near to you. You might be wondering, well, how do we do this? How might I come near to God? Like He's physically not right before me. Well, God's Word says that we do that by faith, by trusting in Jesus, by all that He's revealed to us in His Word. Jesus keeps showing up again and again. He won't ghost us. And once you've experienced that kind of love, that, that abundant, consistent love from Jesus, I think you'll want to be that kind of servant friend to others as well. So you remember that our imperfect friendships, they can actually help other people to trust in Jesus, the perfect friend as well. I suspect that for a lot of us in this room, it's the love of a friend that was really integral in our testimony and coming to know Jesus. See, often if people have never experienced that kind of compassion that we talked about today, or they've never experienced that kind of closeness, it's, it's hard to even believe in the gospel of Jesus, this idea that Jesus can be that close to us. It might be so foreign and so, so unbelievable that they just can't make that step. But as we go to them with friendship, in a similar way to Jesus did, our feeble attempts of that servant-hearted friendship it can be the start of someone actually coming to have Jesus as their friend. So as we finish up for today, I thought a key verse that could be ringing around our minds would be all about Jesus and his loyalty to us. Now, Jesus, he gives us his friendship and he doesn't take it away. And before he left this world, he assures us, he promises to all who would follow him, he says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is loyal beyond comprehension. So let, let's pray to our God who's come close to us. Please pray with me. Our dear Father, <clears throat> we're aware that we often aren't great friends to others. Uh, we, we so crave it and need it in our lives. So do help us to, to uh, take on the wisdom of friendship in the book of Proverbs. Help us to be compassionate, to be candid and honest, and to be close to others. And Lord, might each of us know the friendship we can have with Jesus. Thank you that he is the perfect friend we all crave. Help us to know him more this week. Amen.